Hi everybody, it's Steve Weir, Grace Point's Pastor of Arts and Communication, and I'm here to say welcome, or welcome back, to the Grace Point Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast via iTunes or on our YouTube channel. Feel free to check out our website for all the latest information about everything going on here at Grace Point. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step toward becoming a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. You know, we live in a culture of the Lone Ranger. Like, we really like our independence. We like to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. And there are some positive things about that. Um, there's, there's initiative. It takes initiative uh, versus, versus being overly and unhealthily dependent on others. It's, it's good to be self-motivated. Um, but there are a lot of downsides to, to that whole Lone Ranger mentality. There is isolation. There is uh, a, a lack of reaching out for help, even to our own detriment. So I've, I've given this example before, but sometimes I will do a home project around the house, and there's a tool that I don't have. Well, I have a backdoor neighbor who, I mean, his garage looks like True Value hardware store, and he's been very generous and said, hey, anytime you need something, you know, come over and borrow it. But I mean, sometimes, honestly, it's just, I'm just a little too proud. To do that, like I don't want to go over and ask for something, and he's—I don't want him thinking like, well, a real man has his own post hole digger. You shouldn't have to borrow that. So I'll often just go out and buy it myself or whatever, rent it from Home Depot, whatever. So you know, and then when I do that, like I miss the opportunity to connect with him because we—I mean, we don't see each other like that often. So it's just a good opportunity if I do go to borrow something to just build relationship, find out how his family's doing, that kind of thing. I've cut myself off from that. But the, the worst downside to the, the Lone Ranger mindset is that we become spiritually vulnerable when we try to do life on our own. So Proverbs 18.1 says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. It's just not wise to try to do life on our own. And so sometimes we, we even talk about our personal relationship with Christ as though living in community with others is an option. And, and I understand why that is, because community is messy. Relationships are, are messy. Relationships take time. They often are, are disappointing. We get hurt. We have conflict. Um, and, and yet, there is a, there's a serious danger with trying to do the Christian life on our own, trying to follow Christ by ourselves. We're gonna talk about and expose that danger today, and we're also gonna talk about God's alternative to doing life on our own. If you would take a Bible and turn with me to Hebrews chapter three. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one there near you on the seat, and Hebrews three is on page 1104. We're in a series this month looking at four activities that we believe that we each need to be engaged in in order to become fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. Those four activities are to worship, to worship God, to connect, to connect with God and with each other, to serve others around us, and to share our faith. 
So we're looking at those in inverse order. Today we're looking at connecting with each other. And a lot of times when we talk about connecting in church, we we look at uh, a warm, fuzzy passage. So things that talk about how we should love each other, how we should encourage each other. Um, and, And we need that because the world is a harsh place. And so we need some warm fuzzies once in a while. Just want to tell you, today is not that. Okay. Today, we're, we're going to look at a warning passage because sometimes we need a divine kick in the pants. That was, that's what today is. So two short verses, Hebrews 3, 12, and 13. Take care, brothers, and that could be translated just as accurately, brothers and sisters. Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Two commands in these two verses. The first is, verse 12, take care. That that is the Greek word for see. So it's watch out, be watchful, be careful, be on guard. And why, the author says, take care lest you have an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. The the Greek word fall away is where we get our word apostate. So someone who has abandoned their faith. So take care that you don't abandon your faith. You and I should be more concerned about this than anything else that we are concerned about in life. We we get concerned about our retirement funds. We get concerned about our children's education. We get concerned about trying to to keep our job or trying to get promoted in our, our job. That's not bad, none of those things are bad. We should give attention to those, but those are not the most important. The most important thing we should be concerned about is falling away from the living God. There's only one living God. And if we fall away from him, if we begin to pursue a false God, then that's a God that cannot provide for us, cannot protect us, cannot rescue us from eternal separation from him. There was one day when Jesus was teaching some really hard things. And there were people around him who who we could call casual followers who heard what Jesus had to say and said, wow, this is too much. I I can't deal with this. And they, they left. They walked away. And Jesus looked at his 12 closest followers around him and he said, will you leave too? And Peter responded with this incredible response. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus, if we left you, if we stopped following you, where, who, who else would we follow? You have the words of eternal life. You give life here in this life. You give life for eternity. Where else would we go? And so, as Peter said, we've come to believe the author of Hebrews in Chapter 3, verse 12 says, be careful that you don't have an evil, unbelieving heart. See, the the, the progression here is that 
we are in danger of falling away from the living God because of an evil, unbelieving heart. What this is referring to is an unbelief by choice, okay, not just a passive, I didn't get enough information, but this, this is a choice to not trust, an unwillingness to trust God. The, the context here, if we had time to read all of Hebrews or all of even Hebrews chapter 3, the context here is looking back to ancient Israel. It's looking back to God's people who he rescued from slavery in Egypt. And he brought them out with dramatic miracles. So he brought these plagues and he, he threw that, he, through those plagues, he wrenched open the closed fist of Pharaoh who wanted to keep these slaves working for him and God forced his fist open to release them. Then he took them through the Red Sea. We talked about that earlier. We sang about that earlier. He provided, God provided for them food, water in the wilderness. He provided for them over and over and over again. If anyone should be believing in God, in, in the wilderness, it should be them because they saw with their own eyes, but they were unbelieving when they should have been believing. If we go back earlier in Hebrews chapter three, back to verse seven, it, it quotes here from Psalm 95. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. They, they saw him do miraculous things over and over and over again, and yet they hardened their hearts to test God. Verse 10, therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they, they always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So for them, rest was the promised land. It was the land that God had said, I want you to go in, I want you to possess the land, I want you to dwell there, live there, thrive there. That, that's the rest that God provided for them. For us, the rest is a spiritual inheritance that God has provided for us. And you and I are in danger of falling away and losing that inheritance because there is a danger that you and I see God's hand at work and many of us have seen God work in some very miraculous and specific ways in our lives. And yet when we, like the Israelites, get into the wilderness days, and life is harder than we thought it was going to be. And it seems like God is not keeping the promises that he made. We, we are in danger as well of falling away. If these people, if these people back here who saw God work with their own eyes right in front of them, just weeks later could harden their hearts and not believe that God was gonna provide, then you and I need to be careful and watch out because it can happen to us as well. Kent Hughes is an, an author, a commentator. He said, the grand and terrible lesson of Israel's history is that it is possible to begin well and finish poorly. So this warning that we're reading about in, in Hebrews 3 is a warning for believers, followers of Jesus, because the letter of Hebrews is written to believers. Therefore, I don't think that 
falling away here means that we are lose, in danger of losing our salvation. Because when, when you and I come to a point of recognizing that we have a sin problem that separates us from the perfect God of the universe, and we recognize that there's nothing we can do to fix that sin problem, that we are completely dependent on the perfect sacrifice that Jesus came to make. When we recognize that and we place our faith in Jesus alone for this life and the life to come, there's something powerful and irreversible that happens at that moment. God gives us new life. We are reborn. We are adopted into his family. We are sealed with God's Holy Spirit to live in us and walk with us. None of those things can be undone. So falling away here can't mean that we're losing our eternal salvation. But what it does mean is that we lose our spiritual inheritance in this life and in the next. We're, we're going to wish when we get to eternal life that we had invested more, that we had walked more closely with the Lord and stored up treasures in heaven instead of tro- storing up treasures on, on earth. We are in danger of losing the inheritance that God offers to us. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews was written to a church under persecution. And so being a Christian in the first century was a dangerous life to live. I mean, they, they were being thrown to lions. They were being spread with tar and lit on fire so that um, Nero's garden parties could have light around the garden. I mean, they, had to, they were making a choice. Am I going to follow Jesus or am, am I going to fall away? And so persecution is a time when we need these reminders to say, take care, be careful that we don't fall away. And you and I should not be so naive as to think that we may not see a day when there may be a persecution of a level that's more than what we're seeing now. What we see now is people might look at us weird. They might think we're strange. They may even call us strange names. But, I mean, to, to really undergo persecution that other people people are in fact experiencing in the world, those are the days in that kind of wilderness that we need to take care, be careful that we don't fall away from the living God. Who else would we go to? So this was written to believers. It's also applicable to unbelievers because we we read in Ephesians 2 that it is by grace we are saved through faith. So we must not fall away from that faith. We must take care that Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. There is no one who comes to the Father except through me. So what does take care look like? Take care lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the What does it look like to take care and beware? Well, the answer to that is in verse 13. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Exhort one another. The, the word exhort is a really rich, rich word. In, in the Greek, it's parakaleo. It's often, probably usually translated, encourage and comfort. But, but sometimes 
it's translated as here, exhort, with the idea of admonish, like to get in somebody's face, because sometimes we need encouragement, sometimes we need the warm fuzzies, but sometimes we need somebody to, to get in our face, and we need a kick in, in the pants. This, this word, uh, parakaleo, encourage, this leads us to one of the purposes for our groups. Maybe you've seen one of these cool yellow shirts around. So our purposes for groups are to, can you say it? Can you say what they are? Know, care, and encourage. And so again, normally when we think of encourage, our mind goes to, you know, let's comfort each other, you know, life is hard, and let's, let's be there for each other as we're, we're caring for each other. But sometimes... Sometimes it means we, we need a kick in, in the pants. Sometimes we need an exhortation. And the author tells us why, why we need to be careful about this in verse 13. He says that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The deceitfulness of sin is another thing that you and I should be very concerned and even frightened of. And, and the author is telling us that a, a community of faith protects us from ourselves. A community of faith protects us from falling away in our faith, from being deceived by the deceitfulness of sin. We, you and I should be terrified of the danger of deceit because by definition, we don't know when it's happening. By definition, we do not know when we are being deceived. It is a blind spot for us. I have more than once sat in a counseling session where I am the counselee, and the counselor looks at me and says, wow, you, you've got a blind spot here. Wow. I, you know, and I'm thinking all along, I'm thinking, well, I'm, I'm thinking or I'm saying or I'm doing something that I think is the right thing. I think it's the best in that situation. And my counselor will say, wow, you know, open your eyes and see, and here's why this is off base. And we all need that. I mean, maybe you're thinking, I, I don't have any blind spots. So contact me, I'll refer you to my counselor, and they can get in your face as well. We, we need to beware because the enemy of our souls is shrewd, and he is not to be underestimated. Genesis 3 records the first deception in history. God, of course, gave to the man and the woman a very clear command. He said, you can, you can eat. He was generous. He said, you can eat from any tree in the garden except this one, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the serpent comes along and says, you will not surely die. God said that the punishment, the, the consequence is death. And he says, you won't surely die. For God knows that when you eat of that tree, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Sometimes I think we might read this and say, why didn't God intervene at this moment? I mean, if God had intervened and showed up and said, wait a minute, don't, don't eat. Remember what I said. God didn't intervene, but he did prepare them. He, he gave them two things to help them be successful in this temptation. The first was a clear command. I mean, they, she and her husband knew it, it was wrong. The second thing he gave them was each other. It was community. 
If the husband who was with her had intervened, if he had done what Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13 tells us to do, exhorting one another, then all of this may have turned out differently. But her community failed her in that moment. And we must not fail each other in the moments that we have opportunity when we are concerned for someone going off base, falling away from faith. We must not fail to exhort, to express that concern to someone. That is risky. That's one of the reasons why we don't do it very often is because it is, it's risky. We, we, it feels like we're, we're maybe putting our relationship on the line, and sometimes we actually are, but we have to ask ourselves the question, is my relationship with this person more important than this person's relationship with God? So it just may be that I need to put my relationship on the line. Let's talk about some practical ways to approach this. There are some foolish ways that we can approach this, and we can just like get somebody's you know, dander up unnecessarily, but there are some, some wise ways that we can approach this. If you were here several weeks ago, we saw Abigail confront David in a very wise way. You can go back and read that in 1 Samuel. But, uh, but let me give you just three three practical tips. The first is, before you ever go to someone to share something you're concerned about, check your motives. Are you really doing this for their good, or are you just doing it to get something off your chest, or to take them down a couple of notches? Are you doing this to call them out, or are you doing this to call them up? Check, check your motives. Second thought is to ask for permission. It always greases things a little bit if you ask for permission. Would it be okay if I brought a challenge to, to you? Because if they say yes, then you can share it, and then they're like, they can't say, hey, well, you just forced this on me, so you're asking permission. Hopefully there's enough trust level that they're believing that you're bringing it for their good. And then the third thing is just pray. Pray to be like Jesus, full of grace and truth. I love that description of Jesus because he, he wasn't 50% grace and 50% truth. He was 100% grace, 100% truth. So when you go to someone, go being 100% truthful and honest, but at the same time, you're being 100% empathetic and gracious and coming from a position not of looking down on them, but looking across at them and saying, the ground is level here at the foot of the cross. I have problems in my own life. I'm not looking down at you. I'm just sharing this with you for your good. We're talking a lot this morning about exhorting another person. It's also a healthy thing to invite others to exhort us, to give them permission. If you see something in my life, would you point it out to me? I don't want to go through the whole day with broccoli stuck between my teeth. Get home at night. Have you ever done that? You get home at night, and how many people did you talk to along the way? Why didn't somebody point out the broccoli in my teeth? The, the stuff that we sometimes deal with that are blind spots that we can't see ourselves are much more serious than broccoli. Be, be loving enough to exhort one another and to invite that from, from others. A key way, key way that we take care, verse 12, that we take care, that we watch out, that we are, we are guarded against falling away from the living God 
is to exhort one another, to choose to stay close to others who are intentionally growing in their relationship with Christ so they can spur us to do the same. Another proverb for you, Proverbs 13, 20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Walk with the wise. I've heard it said, you become the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. So if you think about who you're closest to and who you spend the most time with, is that taking you up? Is that challenging you to become more like Jesus? Or is it dragging you down to, to fall away? We want to spend time with people that help us become more like Jesus. If you need to become more intentional about being part of this kind of community, then you're here on a really great Sunday. A community of faith protects us from ourselves. You're on a great, here on a great Sunday because this is our Connection Sunday. And right after this service, we're going to be heading outside here to the west side of the building. We're gonna, we have lunch uh, to provide for you. We also have connection booths that are going to tell you, introduce you to all kinds of ministries here at the church that may serve you in some way. But then there's a group tent where you can learn about the groups that we have here where you can get plugged in to relationship. Getting into a group is not the only way that you can be part of a community that helps protect you from yourself. It is just, it is the way at Grace Point that we put the most energy and intentionality into to helping people get into those relationships. So as was said before, the starting point groups, we have two starting point groups that are perfect for, for new pe- people who are new to the church or maybe you've been around for a while and you just have never gotten connected. One of those is starting tomorrow night, and it will run for six weeks on Monday nights here at the church. The other starts next Wednesday night, not this Wednesday, but a week from Wednesday, and that's the one that has childcare available. We'd love for you to get plugged into one of those. We also have many existing groups. We have over 30 existing groups, many of which have their doors open to incorporate you in. So if those times don't work for you or you're wanting to study something a little different, you can go to our groups page online or again, better yet, stop by our tent out here today and find out more and talk with one of our group representatives about that. And I, I just, I do wanna clarify that um, if, you, if you're thinking about getting into a group, it's not the only thing we do in our groups to correct each other. Okay, I know we spent the whole morning talking about that. That would probably be the exception. That would be the smaller part of it. We spend a lot of time getting to know each other, getting to know God better, uh, caring for each other, and encouraging each other. But we, we also don't want to neglect the exhorting one another if we get a, a concern about where we're, what's happening spiritually for someone. It flies in the face of our independent culture to get in one another's business. But if we care about the spiritual well-being of the people around us, it's vital to be willing to take the risk, to step up and communicate in love something that we are concerned about because a community of faith helps protect us from ourselves. If you're, if you're already in a community like that, I wanna encourage you to recommit yourself to being willing to take that risk when that time might come. And, and don't fail your community because you're just you're too afraid of, of losing a relationship. Do it in love, though. If you're not in a community like that, then I would encourage you to consider today what's the next step you can take towards that kind of community. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you for the resources that you have given to us to walk this life of faith following Jesus. First and foremost, we thank you for um, sealing us with your Holy Spirit, giving your very presence to live inside of us, to, to teach us, to remind us of things, to, to exhort us, to encourage and comfort us. We thank you, Lord, for your presence that goes with us every day, every hour. Lord, we also thank you for the provision of community and that we, we don't have to do life on our own. In fact, we must not do life on, on our own, but we must be there for one another. And so, Lord, we thank you for the community of faith that you have designed in the church. And we pray here at Grace Point for greater and greater effectiveness at, at being a place where people can connect with others in trusting relationships where they can be known and cared for and encouraged and exhorted at times to, to follow you more closely. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be here together today to enjoy some, some food and some, some time together outside. Lord, may your blessing be on us. May the words of our mouth, the meditation of our heart be pleasing in your sight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.